Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I, I haven't been here in a few weeks. It's really good to be back in Alhambra. We're wrapping up a message series today, and I, I'm I'm in the I'm in the final wrap-up slot. I, I haven't been here for the rest of it. We've been doing the same series in Diamond Bar, and what we've been looking at are uh, four essential character qualities that we really need to thrive in the world. These actually are qualities that God himself possesses. They, they make up uh, his character. He possesses these. And so what he does, you may be wondering what God would do with you if you decided to follow Christ, how he would uh, work with you and where he would lead you or take you. And what, what he's going to do is he's going to begin to arrange things in your life and, and work to help you take on his characteristics. He, he wants to help you develop in these. We've been looking at four. There, there are, are others that God works on. But we're looking at these four essential character qualities that particularly God is working to develop in us so that we can really thrive in the world. So we can have good relationships so that as we work together with others uh, toward uh, good goals, we, we can really get the most out of life and, and those things we're trying to aim for. Uh, the four qualities are integrity, uh, which is a commitment to one's word and what is true. The, the outside matches the inside. Everything's integrated in uh, who you are uh, on both of those, inside and outside. We've been looking at love. Which, which is self-sacrificing that serves the interests of others. That, that's the definition of love you find in Scripture. That's what Jesus lived out on our behalf, and, and that's what he's going to lead us to do as well. Uh, the third quality is humility. And humility is uh, a deference to others that yields the right away when there's a clash between what I want and what they want. Uh, and it's, it's not... It's not a crucial thing uh, that we're working toward or a, a, a cru- maybe it's a preference. Maybe it's my preference. Maybe you have a way of doing this and I have another idea. And you know what? There, there's no right or wrong here. I'm going to yield. And that turns out to be the first move toward resolving tension in a wholesome way in relationships. Every, every time, first move. When there's tension, when there's conflict, humility is the first move. And then forgiveness. A forgiving spirit flows out of the heart of God, and this is how we rebuild and restore unity that gets broken in, in our relationships. Now, the title of this series has been, It Takes More Than Me. Why is that? Why, why does it take more than me to develop these qualities? What, what goes on? Well, we can't be the person God made us to be without his help. That's... <laughs> That's the core reason why it takes more than me. He created us. He provides what we need to experience life to the full and become the people that he wants us to be. Self-help can only take us so far. There's this invisible ceiling to self-effort as we're trying to change. And what God does, if you decide to follow Christ or if you're following Christ, what God is doing if you're following Christ is... He's given you his spirit. He comes and lives in you. And he he begins to work inside to help you grow and change and develop these qualities in others. 
And he puts us in his family. And it's in his family, the church, that we're really encouraged to grow in a way that we aren't in in any other place. Now, for me, God has used the examples, experiences that I've gone through and challenges uh, of my life. And as I've experienced those things and I've been a part of his family, he's used all of this to really grow me. I grew up in Southgate, which isn't far from here. It's down the 710 freeway. And I, I, I would say I grew up in the circle of me. And inside that circle, some, sometimes it was pleasant, often not, not that great. I grew up in a, in a really good family. My parents were really good people, but they, they didn't really push me outside of the circle of me very often. Um, I was an athlete, mainly a baseball guy. And as I grew up, I gravitated toward people just like me, people that I clicked with, that, you know, we hit it off right away. They had the same interests I did, Uh, particularly in high school. I'd hang out with, you know, people who were athletes or who were um, uh, into the same things that I was other sports, uh, surfing. I was into surfing and, you know, if you're a surfer, I thought that was cool. So I had this circle I drew and I thought, Hey, this is what's cool. Me, the circle of me, it's cool. And so if you didn't fit in that circle, I didn't really want to spend time with you. I I didn't have time for people who weren't like me that I didn't connect with. And this, I admit is very small minded. By the way, you may be cringing as I'm kind of cringing as I tell you this. And you may be cringing like, oh, yeah, that's that's very small minded. What is his? You know, I was in high school and I was this the way I thought this is what I thought was great. So I had my definition of cool, my circle. And if you fit into it, I related to you. And what's happened is, as I've grown up in church and especially over the last 40 years, as, and I mean grown up since being an adult. I don't mean from, from toddler years. I mean as I've grown up because, you know, when you come to Christ, God keeps growing you up. And so as I've grown up in the church over the last 40 years or so, I've been able to develop friendships with people that are completely opposite of myself that I would not have hung out with in high school. Yeah, it just it just wouldn't have made sense to me. They didn't fit in the circle of me. And what God has done as I began to relate to people, people who had very wide, varied uh, interests than myself, who were, you know, in high school, I didn't want to be hanging around with the smart people whom I considered smart people because, you know what, I'd look stupid in, in high school. Maybe I didn't I didn't I wasn't into playing instruments. I was into music, but, you know, I didn't hang around with people who, who were good at that because I, I didn't know anything about it. But as I've grown over the years to develop friendships with a wide range of people who had different interests, I have changed. I have grown. And there are people in my small-minded high school years that I would have never spent a lot of time with that I've learned to deeply appreciate and grown very close to as I've grown up over the years 
in church life. And what God has done is he's used the example of others, the way they think, their approach to life to really shape me and change me. He's used their example, their counsel to shift my perspective. The kindness of people in the church family has made me want to be kind. I remember one Christmas we didn't have money to buy gifts. It was great. We were in graduate school. We had no money. Christmas Eve, a gift shows up, $200. It was, a, it was actually one of our son's first Christmases. We had no money to buy anything. And the kindness of someone to do that for us, to look to our interests and help us that way, made me want to do the same. Uh, Neil Walker, who's the director of Christian Challenge at USC, we, we started the ministries about the same time. And going through cranking up, starting up ministries, he started the ministry, I started the church about the same time. And going through that, we, we hit a point where we're both sort of, wow, this is difficult and I don't know how this is going to go. But Neil, in very clear ways, said, I'm going to do this or die trying. And when he said that, and he didn't say those exact words, but when he did that, when he did what he did, when he said what he said, that drew my heart to do the same thing. Being in the church family grows things in you that if you stay in the circle of me, they will not grow. So God puts his spirit in us. He puts us in his family and he grows these things like parenting. I've watched examples of parents in church life that gave me a picture of what would be good to do with my kids. I've, I've watched guys extend themselves to serve the, the overall purpose of, of the congregation. And as they've extended themselves and as they've served, I've been drawn to, to, to be more diligent. When you're in a family that's moving toward the right things, you're drawn toward those right things. And that's what God intends for the church family. This is Natively, I'm focused on me and the circle of me. But God keeps wanting to peel me inside out to consider others and to serve his purpose in the world. Jim Peterson, who's an author uh, and leader in the ministry of the Navigators, uh, which is a, a group that has ministries all over the world, he wrote a book and uh, we took many of the ideas for this series, at least the framework and the ideas of the character qualities out of that book. And he described the difference that these qualities can make. If, he says, if with God's involvement and inspiration, we would all build our lives on the basis of integrity, love, humility, and forgiveness, there would be dramatic growth. Our friendships and families would weather the storms. If, if we just let God use his spirit in us and the family, the church family he puts us in to shape us and to build these qualities in us, what, what a difference in our friendships, our family relationships. And so these qualities are very important here at Church in the Valley. And we, we also, out of these qualities, we've been talking about how seven heart attitudes grow out of those qualities. And... We commit to the framework of this, the seven heart attitudes. When you, when you become a member, one thing you do is you commit to work toward the seven heart attitudes. None of us do them perfectly. You know, we're not going to bat a thousand. 
But, but you work toward these things. This is where we're heading. This is what we're trying to do. No one does it perfectly, as I said, but they provide the framework for good relationships that help us grow. And they give us seven practical ways to move past me. To get past self-absorbed living, uh, which is native to all of us. And to begin to turn inside out to serve God and serve the people around us. Could you scroll the screen a little bit? Um, I, I, I would like to review them today. There's a, actually, they're in your program. There is a bookmark that has the hard attitudes on them. And uh, we've designed this bookmark for you to take home. If you read Kindles, you know, Kindle books, it's not going to really help you a whole lot. So, um, you know, keep sliding off the iPad or the Kindle or whatever it is. But you might want to just put these on your fridge or somewhere that will remind you of what they are. Because these provide the framework for inside of which relationships really grow and thrive. And so I'm going to walk through them very quickly right now. We've gone over them in this series. I'm going to walk back through them. And uh, you can read along on that bookmark. First, first hard attitude. Put the goals and interests of others above my own. That actually is a very, very practical definition of love. As we handle our own responsibilities, as we try to do well with the stewardships God has given us, we look for ways to serve others as well. We serve him. Number two, live an honest and open life with others or before others. Um, you can see the passage there. It says, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Uh, it's important to let people know what's going on. If you're struggling and you don't let anybody know, they can't really help you. If you have questions and you don't really ask the questions or you don't really let people know you have these questions, nobody can help you get answers to the questions. And so it's really important that we don't want to just spill everything to everyone. We need discretion. But we want the outside of what's going on with us and the, what we're communicating to people to match the inside appropriately. So that's number two. Number three, give and receive scriptural correction. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hebrews 3 says we need to exhort each other so that we don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We all have this potential to get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We all have blind spots. And I really appreciate it if somebody's driving with me and I'm about to pull into the next lane and there's a car there that they warn me. I didn't see that car. It's a blind spot. And so I appreciate that. And we all... Have We develop patterns and habits that are hurting us that we can't see, and it's important for people to, to let us know, to give and receive scriptural correction. Number four, clear up relationships with others. Uh, Jesus says, top priority. If you're at worship or if you're offering a gift to God, and there you remember somebody has something against you, you leave your gift there, you go get it straightened out, and then come back. That's how important it is to him. So if we mess up and offend someone, we... Clean it up. We ask their forgiveness. Get it straightened out. If someone's offended us and we just can't let it go, 
we go we go to them and we talk it out. Number five, participate in the ministry of the church. Those first four have to do with interpersonal relationships. These last three have to do with how we work together and contribute to the church at large at large. Um, Number five, participate in the ministry of the church. Each of us are gifted. We have abilities. We have talents. And God wants us to use them to serve. Uh, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Spiritual growth happens as we get involved and as we serve one another, as we serve the larger purpose of the congregation. Number six, support the work of the church financially. Um, God's design is that we give a percentage of our income to support the ministry of the church, to support his work in the world. And he will continue to grow us in generosity. That's what he's going to do. He, he's, he's built this desire for it in us, and sometimes it's buried. Uh, when I'm in the circle of me, that, that generosity gene is hard to find. But it's there. God put it in all of us, and he grows us to be more and more generous to those around us. And then number seven, follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. Um, making it difficult for leaders over us, just being cantankerous and disagreeable derails where the team or the group is trying to go, where he's trying to take us. And it really gives us a disadvantage. It hurts us, hurts ourselves as we do that. So we aim at cooperating and not being adversarial. These hard attitudes are very, very practical ways that we move beyond me. Just for fun, we came up with some me attitudes that show the exact opposite of the heart attitudes. We talk about these every so often at Church of Valley because they're so important and they're so helpful, uh, at least the heart attitudes. So we came up with some me attitudes. Number one, look out for me and mine. Number two, only reveal truth about me that helps with my goals. So if I have a goal, I want you to think I'm, I'm an amazing person. I've got it all together. I don't let you know who I really am. I only let you know the stuff that makes me look good. That ends up hurting me later on because you can't really help me. You're not really relating to me. You're relating to the me I'm projecting out there. Uh, Number three, criticize others to prove I'm superior. Um, Out of uh, just insecurity, we tend to do this. We just, other people are doing stuff, they're doing it just fine, but we pick and choose. Number four, rationalize my wrong and hold a grudge when others do wrong to me. It's the opposite of the hard attitude. Number five, be a consumer, not a contributor. Number six, hoard my money for myself. I have real native tendencies here. <laughs> I just I just want to hang on to it. But God, he keeps... Turning me inside out to give. Number seven, only follow leaders who agree with me. Or only follow when they agree with me. You know, by the way, that's not really following. <laughs> if they agree with you, that's where you're headed anyway. And so we, we get faced with the challenge when we bump up against these me attitudes. That's how I lived in the circle of me. Okay. But the hard attitudes are like the frame of a house. Here's a picture of a house. These guys are building the frame. 
And they're going to build this frame on the outside. They're going to put stucco, whatever they decide to use, on the inside drywall. And that's how they're going to build the house. And inside the walls of that house, a family can live and really thrive. Keeps them out of the cold. And inside that house, a lot of stuff's going to go on. And it provides a space for the family to develop relationships and grow up in a certain way. A place to eat. You know, the kitchen will be built out. There will be a place to eat. The hard attitudes provide the framework inside of which people can grow and good relationships thrive. That's why they're so important. They're, they're directly out of Scripture. We haven't invented anything here with the hard attitudes. They, they, they grow directly out of the Scripture. And they give us a framework where people grow and good relationships thrive. The Lord gives us this framework in the Scripture. And He commands Jesus' followers to live inside of it. And if we get outside of it, we need to get back. Make it right with God. Make it right with people. Get back inside of it. And he wants to use this framework to help us grow and develop uh, by his spirit and in his family. So if you wonder what God will do with you as you decide to follow him, God is building his people into a house where he lives. The hard attitudes are the framework, but we ourselves are the house. It's interesting. We looked at this passage last week. Ephesians 2, it says, for through him both have access in one spirit to the Father. So we all, no matter what our backgrounds are religiously or um, no matter where we grew up, if you've come to Christ, everybody has access to God. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. Now, this, this passage is packed with metaphors about who we are as, as followers of Christ. Uh, he puts us in His family. We're members of the household of God. We've been talking about this. And what actually happens spiritually when you decide to follow Christ is... He builds you into his house, the temple, where he lives. The church is a temple, and that's a place where God lives. We as individuals are a temple. God lives in us, and collectively we're a temple in a special way. Now, we used to do this hand uh, illustration in Sunday school when I grew up. I, I really liked it. I thought it was cool. And, you know, the, the Sunday school teacher would, you know, say, hey, put your hands like this. And you put your hands like this, and your, your thumbs, see, they make a door. It's pretty cool. They make a door, and you say, here's the church, here's the steeple, your little fingers make a steeple. Open the door, and there's all the people. You know what? According, it was really, it was cool. We liked it. Okay, I can tell you guys are suspect. <clears throat> you know, I was like, Second grade, okay? I don't know. <laughs> but um, you know what? If we were to do an accurate hand illustration of the church, according to the passage we just read, here's the church. 
Because these are the people in the church. The church is the people. And what happens spiritually when you decide to follow Christ is, one description Peter gives is that we're living stones. We're like the bricks that God is using to build the house. And he puts us in the household of God and actually builds us into the spiritual house to bring honor and glory to him. And the thing about living stones, they they have a mind of their own. And so what happens is to the extent that we cooperate with God and live his way, that's the extent to which he can use us for a great purpose beyond ourselves. And this is God's intent. This is this is what he wants to do. And the hard attitudes provide the framework for this house that we have here at Church in the Valley. The hard attitudes move us past living for me and mine. And this creates a warm environment. That's one thing the frame does. It allows you to build a house, put a roof on it, add the stucco, add the drywall, and it becomes a shelter from the cold. You know, when when everyone is looking out for me and mine, it's cold. It's a very cold environment. Things don't grow well in the cold. I have two deciduous trees. They go dormant in the winter. The leaves fall off. They don't grow because it gets cold and they don't do well in the cold. People are just like that. We, we don't grow well in the cold. We need a warm environment. And if we'll commit to living God's commands, if we'll commit to relating to one another the way he said to, we really thrive. And life gets better and better. If you operate by the me attitudes, boy, very, very cold. People are left out in the cold when they don't get into your circle. What what we've experienced here at Church in the Valley, and I want to wrap up the message with this, is that God works to grow these hard attitudes in us. And, And it turns out to spill over into all of life and is a real help across the board. Um, The first place we really experience these kinds of things that we've been looking at in Scripture and um, the the hard attitudes are are in church and then on a team or in a group or wherever as you begin to relate to folks in church life. And God, this is what God intends. This is what he wants going on in the house that he's building. After uh, Lisa Brown, who's a, a member from the Dimebar campus said this, after seeing the hard attitudes practiced by other CIV members around me, I had an opportunity to clear up a relationship at work. I had made a mistake at work and it affected me, uh, one of my coworkers. And before learning about the hard attitudes, I would have ignored that hurt and even have made an excuse to justify my mistake. Instead, I admitted the wrong and sincerely asked for forgiveness from the coworker. Surprisingly, she was quick to forgive and let the issue go. I use this as a testimony that God will grant grace to those who seek his ways. See, she learned these things in church life and it spilled over into other areas. What, what we learn in relating here, it, it blesses us across the board. In groups, we're able to live out the hard attitudes and, and really help people grow. We, Cranking up the life groups gives you a chance to get uh, to know some folks who can really encourage you in your walk with Christ. Here's a, 
a word from Lindsay Rosman, who's, who's also at the Dime Bar campus. I experienced the hard attitudes by watching church members love my family when they came to Christ. It made a real impact on me to see how they all showed up for each other for the celebrations of life and the difficult parts of life. They chose to put their interests aside and come and serve my family. Hard attitude number one. This was a big part of what drew me to Christ when I became a Christian. The people at Church in the Valley are like family to us, and they are the first ones to arrive when we're in need. Time and time again, if, if you get, let people get to know you, if you get to know people in church life, um, people pitch in to serve. We serve one another. You help a fellow uh, member with a project around the house, move from, help them move from one place to the other, fix meals when someone's sick, um, check up when, when they're down or discouraged, check up with them, just, just listen. If there's a misunderstanding or a wrong done, clear, we can clear it up. Groups are a risk. Letting people get to know you is risky. There might be disappointment, there might be conflict. But with the hard attitudes as the framework, relationships can grow inside the house. So when, when we learn to handle relationships this way, it begins to spill over. On teams, uh, within the framework of the hard attitudes, we, we can really hum to do our part to really contribute to what God's doing in the world. We're all made to contribute to something bigger than ourselves, to, to give ourselves to that. And church is a perfect opportunity. Here's, here's a word from Julie Almanza, a member here at the Alhambra campus. She said, serving on the hospitality team every other month has been such a blessing. It's absolutely amazing to see so many members so cheerfully willing to donate their time and effort each week to transform the classrooms and auditoriums of a high school, auditorium of a high school, into a warm and inviting church atmosphere. Because so many CIV members apply the hard attitude of participating in the ministry, the weekly setup and teardown process is absolutely flawless. Well, I may not be absolutely flawless. I appreciate the enthusiasm, but sometimes I know there are snacks. Um, our blessings have been returned, speaking of her and her husband, Eddie. Our blessings have been returned several times over through participation in the ministry and serving others has given us. Uh, given me an even more intense desire to serve in as many ways as possible in my daily family, work, church environments. I'm so excited and blessed to be a part of the Church and Valley family. I'm looking forward to experiencing the fullness of uh, Christian life as I've never known before through living the hard attitudes in my daily life and experiencing the same attitudes in those around me. Uh, God really wants to grow groups and teams, and he wants to grow a church full of people who work toward these things. We don't do them perfectly, but we work toward these things because God commands it in the Scripture. And that means that people who lead the groups and teams uh, must be committed to the hard attitudes and well, as well. And so we make a big deal out of uh, finding leaders who are willing to commit and set the example in these things. So sometimes people wonder, how do I lead? In a church, and the way that you lead is the path is paved to leadership by learning to live out these these things. Over the next few weeks, there's some important opportunities for you to take steps uh, to move beyond uh, just me, to move to we instead of just me. 
the Church in the Valley preview is a way to find out who we are, what we're all about. And you can decide if you want to take a next step after that. There's baptism coming up, which is a time when we say, you know, I, it's a public statement that I've decided to follow Christ and I'm identifying with the church family, everyone who has done the same thing through the years. Uh, the groups are coming up. There's sign up for life groups, chance to de- develop friendships where you can be encouraged and taking your next steps in following Christ. And then teams, we're teaming up. There's an opportunity uh, for you to contribute to something bigger there. We, we grow in character as we, as we get in the family, the church family, and let God shape us. And as we live inside the framework that we find in Scripture, as we do that, we're blessed. We are really blessed by that. Um, Every day, there are small opportunities to practice these attitudes in our family, at work, with our friends. And as we live them consistently, we we thrive. I'd like to wrap up the message uh, by asking you, if you would, to take out the connection card that's in your program or that you, you may have already looked at before and began filling out. If you need to complete any information on there, that would be helpful that would be fantastic i'm going to suggest a couple of next steps related to the message this morning and if uh, you'd like you could take one of those steps i'd like to as the band comes up i'll walk through these next steps and then lead us to pray Uh, my next step today is the number one next step could be to ask god for victory over me attitude Number one of the me attitudes, maybe as I read through those, God spoke to you about one of those or it came to mind. Yeah, I really need to get past that. Uh, Maybe that's something you want to ask God for help with. Then another one would be to memorize heart attitude number. You can look at the bookmark, pick the number of heart attitude that you really want to focus on that God spoke to you about possibly and the verse that comes with it. So memorize the heart attitude in the verse and and aim to live in that framework. God really grows us to use us. He grows us to bless us and to be a blessing to the people around us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word. And God, thank you for the help that you give us to live out the truth. And I just pray that as you've spoken this morning, as we got into your word and heard what you have to say to us, that you'd give us the strength and the power to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take this morning to bring honor and glory to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.